who is going to be the next Marlins manager. The interviews have started. We're going to recap on some of those names. Plus, the big news dropping yesterday. World Baseball Classic field and pools have been finalized. We should have talked about it yesterday. We ran out of time, so we're going to touch on it today. All on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from Great and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast and the Tuesday episode of Locked On Marlins. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Peter Pratt, and thank you for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. If you want to follow me, hit me up on Twitter, guys. No TikToks, no Instas. The Twitter handle at Miami Marlins underscore UK. You need to change that. Miami Marlins underscore GB. That's what I need to go with. Um, if you are listening in podcast form, hit subscribe there too. Leave a review. Why not? It's available free and everywhere. And there's still five episodes a week, even though the Marlins haven't played for weeks. And if you're watching on YouTube, you will know there is a YouTube channel. Hit subscribe there too. And you will see Sean Barrett is back in the house. We are in the same year. We are recording this on a Monday, but this is coming to you on a Tuesday. Feels like a Craig David song. Nevertheless, Sean, how are we doing? <laughs> I hope we don't get to the end of the week. Um, I'm not in that <laughs> song anyway. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still a bit under the weather, but we, we move on. Day to day. Day to day. We remain day to day. It is, it's definitely been, uh, you know, it's been a bit of a struggle, but we're, we're plowing on. We're plowing on. Nevertheless, Sean, we, we've got some new around the World Baseball Classic, which, okay, we're still in postseason mode right now. And rightly so, everyone's eyeballs are all locked and loaded on the postseason. And uh, it, you know, it's going to be a, a fun couple of weeks, obviously. But we look a little bit further ahead into March. And it seemed, maybe seems like a long way away. But all of a sudden, we have the pools confirmed. And we're waiting on who are going to be the, um, uh, the, the, the qualifiers and where were they going to be placed. We obviously knew... The Great Britain had qualified the expectation or what I was led to believe, and I'm not a specialist in this area, and the people I was asking clearly weren't specialists either. They were telling me Great Britain will likely be in Pool A. They're not. They're in Pool C. Great Britain with the U.S. of A, Mexico, Colombia, and Canada all happening in Phoenix, Arizona, March 11th to 15th. Huge news drop in there. From a great British perspective, Sean, what a pool. It's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's their first time ever in the tournament. And to be playing against, well, any of the teams there, they are the world's finest. But to to get to see them play against the USA specifically, immediately after a World Cup where England and USA are playing in the Football World Cup. I mean, how nice of us is it to at least let them win at their own game? Because <laughs> realistically, what are we expecting? I'm not expecting anything of, other than, well, four losses ultimately. But it mm. to be there, for to be on that big stage, to for, for UK, well, great British baseball is absolutely massive. To see some 
Marlin Studs in GB uniform is going mm-hmm. to be so exciting. I am looking forward to this tournament more than I have anything in a long time because I've followed baseball for many, many years and it's always been super niche and it's still pretty niche. Don't get me wrong, but this is going to put the, the us on that big stage is just a fantastic thing to look forward to and, and to be playing in, in to be playing in the US as well, not only against mm. the US, but in the US is going to be huge for, for the Great Britain and, and baseball for, for the whole of the, the nation. Me too. Do you know what, mate? It's it's funny, right? Because the they're clearly trying to grow the game in in the UK and Great Britain and Europe. Obviously, they're committing to the London series again, and they're obviously they're they're doing uh, a, a game or two as well in in, in Paris and France. Um, so they're committing to this market, and I think it's strategic. It feels strategic almost. And I don't know the internet, so maybe I'm completely way off on this, but it feels strategic to put Great Britain in with the USA and to know that you have a marquee matchup there where it's going to be Great Britain and USA um, in one of the games. And in reality, it's marquee matchups against, you know, a few of the other nations there too, no doubt. But if they would have been in pool A, for example, which was mooted, you know, you then you're playing against the Netherlands, Italy, there are other European teams. Like that's not going to get the juices flowing like a game against USA in a market that MLB is clearly trying to grow. And I think it's strategic, but I think that strategy benefits us and, you know, our fan base. And I'm pretty sure Jazz Chisholm will be licking his lips and be ready to rock and roll in that game. I mean, it'll be absolutely stunning. Like you said, we've also also got Ian Lewis, you know, finalized yet, but, you know, there's going to be at least two Marlins players there. And there's also some other Marlins players dotted around. Well, ex-Marlins guys, I guess, dotted around because Georgie Alfaro will be playing for Colombia. Harold Ramirez, too, hitting Harold. Uh, There's a few other guys dotted around, too. So, you know, there's going to be some kind of Marlins wrinkles knocking around. But, yeah, for us, as as great British guys, and this is going to be, to call out, the first time I would have ever followed this tournament. Like, when it happened last time around, which was, what, 2017? Is that right? Is that the last time? I'm kind of confused of times and, and dates, but, excuse me, the last time I, I, I didn't, didn't have the awareness. I just about understood what a bork was. That's a lie. I, didn't, I still didn't, I didn't know what that was. And, um, but it, this, this tournament kind of passed me by last time around. Didn't know enough about baseball, but now I'm you know, fully in. I think this is going to be a completely different vibe and viewing experience for sure. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. Just to kind of uh, add into the other piece, uh, Panama are going into into Pool A. Uh, the Czech Republic, uh, which I think they had a hard-fought game with Spain, uh, and they also qualified to the Czech Republic in Pool B, where Miami, the Miami-based uh, pool, uh, Nicaragua, uh, into that one as well, which looks a loaded Loaded one at the top anyway with Puerto Rico, Venezuela, and the Dominican all in there with Israel. So, boy, oh, boy, that pool in Pool D in Miami looks absolutely wild. The other thing, Sean, as well, with the Miami obviously hosting not just group but knockout and the final is we're going to get a, a look at a 
fully packed out Lone Depot for the first time in a long time. And I am very excited to see the atmosphere in Lone Depot and what that looks and feels like. And the other thing then is what the Marlins can try and, you know, can they build on that somehow? Is there a way where they can kind of capture some of that and build on that as they go through into the regular season uh, in 2023? But that's going to be very intriguing to see, right? Lone Depot absolutely rocking. Yeah, I mean, it's happened before. She had tournaments before a lot of the games uh, were hosted there. And yeah, I mean, it's a it's a fantastic stadium. And it's, it's let's, let's put it frankly, it's underutilised um, being used by the Miami <laughs> Marlins, um, a team that only sell out opening day and probably only just each year. So yeah, to see it in its full capacity is, is kind of like a, a nod to what maybe one day it could be. If the Marlins ever put a run together, I mean, it's it's such a shame. And I think we've talked about this before, about the idea that the, te- the time that they did make the playoffs, we were in the season where there were no fans. So we've never really seen it at its, its full capacity as far as what it could be as a stadium and be as a mm. venue um, and, and an atmosphere for, for the Marlins. So just to see it, even though it won't be with the Marlins, uh, let's hope that in the later games, there are some Marlin players to see there. That would be exciting for them, I'm sure. Yeah. Playing these massive, massive games in their home stadium. Could Jazz get to the point where he's playing big games in, in my Marlins Park? Probably not, but, you know, it's certainly something worth dreaming about, that's for sure. Oh, no doubt. Listen, it, I don't maybe you were. If if Team GB make it all the way through to the knockout and they end up having a, a knockout game in Miami, in in let me just put it out there right now. I'm going. I'm going to that game. I don't care. Even if I don't have tickets, I don't care. I'm just going to go and stand outside and and look at the home run sculpture. I don't care. What a what an absolute experience that would be. Imagine Great Britain facing off against someone in a knockout game in, in Miami. I mean, it just feels like. A, in and around that. And I'm sure you'd be the same, Sean. I think we'd have to double up on that one. And uh, we'd, we'd, I guess, leave the wives at home. I guess it is what it is. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be fun. I'm excited about it. It's got the extra juice of GB for certain, but I think the tournament itself is going to be fun. And I'm excited to see that for sure. Uh, speaking of fun, um, it's time to talk about our friends over at Bet Online, of course. And uh, for those that are watching, you can see the sexy graphics that continue. I absolutely love these. And betonline.net, it's your number one source for football betting info this season. What I do need to check out, just thinking about it, is who are the favorites for the World Baseball Classic? I Surely the U.S. must be up there. I know their team looks real strong. So U.S., I'm going to assume our favorites. I will dig out those odds next time around. You can find all the latest players, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline, you'd source... For all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on your favorite games and events. It includes MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. You can head to the website uh, today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, Sean. Let's get into managerial discussions. The Marlins, they have... They've at least had three interviews that have been reported. There may have been others. I don't know. You know, modern day world, Zoom interviews can happen. But we know that three have happened. And the betting favorite, just to go back to bet online, the betting favorite in advance of any any news or um, interviews was that Joe Madden 
I believe, was the favourite before anything said. Joe Madden has had an interview with the Marlins. He was your personal pick, I believe, for uh, if they were going to go, you know, they are going for a new manager. So Joe Madden, I believe, was your personal favourite heading into this. Uh, we haven't seen any reporting after that to say whether it went well, good, bad, indifferent, what the next steps are, but still, Joe Madden, your favourite? I think so. I think as far as, I'm not too interested in like a household name. Obviously, Joe Madden is a household name, but just because, just for being a household name, but he is he's a guy that I think is is a good manager. I think he's he's not only I mentioned this before. Not only is he sort of sabermetrically inclined, or at least that's my understanding, but he also is he's got a personality. And as much as I like Mattingly, and as much as he did a good job to a certain degree, a character he was not. And I think sometimes that's that's important. I think for a team, when things are going well, you want a, a rah-rah guy behind you. And when things aren't going well, you want a guy that can keep it a little bit loose, keep it a little bit light. you know. And I think that's what he bought for a lot of time. And, and for the success he had, let's not forget that everywhere he went, he had good success. Um, so I think he's still my, my main guy. But... The problem you've got is once you go past Hit Madden, you're talking about bench coaches and hitting coaches yep. from other teams. Yep. And and ultimately, how much do we pay an interest in that? I mean, we can read up on them and we can sort of take note, but you're not exactly going, oh, yeah, Joe Espada, I've been looking at him for years. And he might be a great coach. Yeah. Um, I mean, look what the Dolphins just did with a, a guy that wasn't really a household name until he was brought in. There are many ways to skin the cat, but I think for the Marlins to go with with Madden would be an excellent choice. That obviously I'd hope that they know a lot more about these other guys than obviously we're going to know. So if it is one of these bench coaches from another team that's wowed them in the interview or whether or not they've been keeping an eye on them for years, I mean, I think we all knew that Mattingly wasn't going to be here forever. So I'd like to think that the team have in some capacity always kept an eye on people and, and had an interest in these guys. You don't just pluck names out of a hat, obviously. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But that, yeah, Madden is still my 1A choice. Yeah. Uh, the interesting bit that I know Craig shared on his own podcast and also with me was his sense was... It was his, his gut feel was this might be a first time manager for the Marlins. Not a, obviously a first time coach, first time manager, which I think is interesting. Um, pardon me. And the you know that kind of you know takes away Joe Madden clearly, and then you get into uh, some of the other names that they've looked at, and the one that I would say has garnered the the highest level of buzz from Marlins Twitter anyway was the guy you mentioned there, Esparta, Joe Esparta. Um, obviously was with the Marlins and both kind of as a player and also as a coach. And clearly there's that connection there. He spent a good amount of years um, coaching with the Marlins too. More recently with the Astros. And listen, if you talk about, you know, teams that, you know, can can just continue to stay at a level of success for a sustained period, boy, oh boy, the Astros certainly are the, <coughs> the pinups for that. And, I know we spent a lot of time focused with the Astros, um, focused in on the on the middle infield guys. I believe that's kind of where his 
specialism has kind of blended towards. I think that was from an article that the Fish Stripes put out there. So I thank those guys for for keeping me up to date with the information here. Because like you said, Sean, like I don't have the insight here. I'm, I'm not a specialist in bench coaches around Major League Baseball. I'm, I'm just not. I mean, I'm not a specialist even talking about the Marlins bench coaches. And that wouldn't be probably the best podcast ever because it hasn't been good. But nevertheless... The, the name the name Joe Esparta certainly popped, I would say, with Marlins Twitter. He's a young guy. He's been around for a while. He's also been with the Marlins, but he's been with a successful organization that's rebuilt and found a way to keep a sustained winner. And I think it was Carlos Correa in the Fish Stripes article um, that had said, you know, Joe Esparta's been a big part of, of my progression and taking the next step and whatever. So... For me, it feels like he ticks a lot of boxes here. Connection with the fish, connection with, with a good team, and also manager. Like that feels like a nice fit. Marlins Twitter seem to be suggesting it, but there's a lot of teams with vacancies uh, right now. And the question I've got for you, Sean, is how how appealing is this Marlins role right now? The manager gig for the Marlins. The other ones out there, obviously, the White Sox are vacant. There's other there's other vacancies too. There's there's quite a number of them. Um, so where's the Marlins actually going to appear on like a wish list for someone that maybe have their pick of of anywhere? They've obviously got the pitching. We know that the offense is underwhelmed. They don't have the the, the money. They don't have the fans in the seats. Like it could be a tough sell to maybe a candidate that, that is getting multiple offers. Do you think? Yeah, I think that's I think that's spot on in the sense of if if people have got multiple offers, it's going to be interesting. I, I think I'm a Marlins fan. I'm going to be biased. I think there's a there's a lot to be excited about with this team, but that's that comes from my bias. But a a, a coach that has options, I don't know whether the Marlins are going to be top of that list. I don't think that they're going to pay to be top of the list or create themselves onto the top of the list. I think. There are a limited amount of MLB jobs available. There's yeah. a set number. It's a it's a, a job, a job that is highly coveted, no matter how bad the team is or how bad a team is. Someone's always want to take that job. So it's it's a desirable job, but it is a case of there are there are enough guys out there that are going to want the job that they they're going to get a good option, but. Do they get the pick of the bunch? I mean, if I'm maddened, I prefer to go to Chicago. You know what? Maybe, you know, they might not be in the best position right now, but they certainly have the capacity to grow financially. So it will be interesting. I think ultimately, yeah, the Marlins job is desirable because it's a major league job, but and there is some excitement, but I don't think that we'll be knocking off other teams as far as ideas for the role being the one that's number one on these guys' list. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. It's you know, it's a, it can be it's a it's a unique environment in many ways, Miami and, and and the Marlins, I think, and you do have to buy into it. But at the same time, I do feel at this point in the Marlins kind of development let's say it gives someone the opportunity to be maybe a little bit more senior and have a bit more sway than perhaps other more established 
front offices and organizations and whatever. I think that's interesting where you get, if I, if I apply it maybe to, to football or soccer and some guys are happy just to be brought in, be the coach, do, do, do their thing. Some guys want full ownership of everything. They want to be like a Jose Mourinho type vibe where they just have their fingers in everything and they're just a big part of all the decisions being made. And I get the sense that like you, that could be on the cards maybe from a Marlins perspective because they've just got so many gaps in the front office, firstly. So like there's ways. So there's someone that could maybe craft a role or a unique kind of role or crossover. I don't know. I just feel like someone could get a little bit more control or ownership um, than, than perhaps they would do in a more established um, front office situation or organization. So I do think with that one is an interesting wrinkle. That's complete speculation on my front, by the way. So just have to call that out. But the third guy that has been interviewed that we have seen, this isn't speculation, is Pedro Griffol. Um, pronunciation may be off on that, by the way. But nevertheless, he has been with the Royals and bench coach for the Royals. Uh, what I would say on this one, the key bits that stood out for me is um, he is... Uh, his, his approach in terms of analytics, I think, is a lot stronger than maybe like a Don Mattingly, for example. So I do sense that if they wanted to go more analytically driven, then maybe that would be a nice fit for the fish. Equally, as I rightly pointed out, I rightly pointed out, as I pointed out on Twitter, um, there's a crossover there with uh, the Marlins, you know, the number one uh, paid offensive player for the Marlins and maybe overall the number one paid Marlins player at 15 million next year, Jorge Soler, his breakout, his career year overlapped with Griffols. So, you know, there's some familiarity there. Does that matter? Could that matter? I don't know. But at least the Marlins can, you know, lean on Soler, get some insight there. You know, what's he like as a guy? How does he get the best out of you? Start to get some inside knowledge. I think that's interesting. Sounds to me like the analytics are high. Soler, you know, is he going to vouch for him? Yes or no? We'll wait and see. But, you know, I do think it's an interesting one. Again, first-time manager, ticks that box, not, not ticks the box, but maybe fits the profile. Analytically driven, maybe. Craig Mish did say they were maybe not quite heavily going down that line, uh, which was interesting as well. But um, any further thoughts on on him? I mean, I, I know relatively limited amounts, but the bits that I've read, I can see how that could happen. Um, it may not blow you away as a name, but there's definitely a pathway to this happening, I think. Absolutely. I mean, you again, yeah, it is a case of why would we have ever heard of him? You know, it's, 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 he's a bench coach in Kansas City. Yeah, but and they've not been good, by the way. Yeah, you look at his job roles that he's been through. So he started as a scout and worked his way through pretty much every single job that you could imagine um, in baseball. So he's certainly been about and he's certainly got a, a depth of knowledge. And yeah, the analytics. I think I, I, you know, I'm I'm big into it, and I and I think successful teams need to be in on it as well. And then you look at the success that some teams have had with it. The idea that the Marlins have never really been all in, and for large swathes of time, they just completely ignored it as as nonsense, um, and that, <laughs> that didn't serve them very well, did it? So the idea that they're even going to touch you know, put a put a toe in the water of, of analytics is is in my opinion a good thing. So maybe a guy that has that kind of 
he's got that scouting knowledge, he's got that coaching knowledge, but he's also got that interest in the numbers as well. So I'm not expecting the Marlins to go full computer, but having someone that at least is aware of what it means and, and how to apply it would be important. And just to go back on your your idea of a guy coming in and having full control, I mean, that would be, yeah, that would be incredibly desirable. It's almost a case of you can pick all your guys except one because we're mm. keeping Mel. Mm-hmm. You know, and you see it in, in basketball as well, the idea that the, some of the higher name coaches get the option to be the GM as well because they want that overarching control of I want to coach the guys I want to coach and I'm going to bring them in myself. Never yeah. really worked because it's two more than full-time jobs that one person's trying to do. But being able to tell a first-time coach that you've got that power that maybe they, they wouldn't get if they went into a more established team would be, yeah, that's definitely something that would be interesting for, for any number of these guys. For sure. How do you think, the other thing that's playing in my mind is, how, how do you think the, the change in rules is going to change the analytics side? I, and what I mean by that is like the shifts and all this kind of stuff. Like, how, how much is that actually going to impact things, you think, from those kind of heavy analytical guys? Is that going to hinder them, do you think? I guess it would do, because it's it feels like that is driven. The heart of it is driven analytically about stand here because more likely it's going to go there. But I don't know if that's going to hamper these guys or make them get even more creative. I don't know. Well, I mean, it is a case of the, the shift is disappearing. We, we we know this, this is going to happen. Um, but that's, I, I think that gets a lot of headlines in the idea of, of what analytics are and what modern baseball is compared to the to tradi- traditional ways that baseball has been. But that's such a small sort of sector the idea that if you look at Moneyball being how old it is now, like the, the things that were in Moneyball have been grown on and, and some of them were, were wrong. You know, it's it's an evolution. It's a, it's a science almost. Well, it is a science. And you're always learning. You're always realising we know more than we used to. And some of the things we thought we used to know were actually wrong. Um, so the idea that the shift is going, in my opinion, is 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 sizable, but the 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 area of sabermetrics is massive comparably. I mean, we're going to get into some things, I'm sure, in the off season about the team, the fact that the Marlins had for large periods of time a guy leading off that was an OBP under 300. You know, that's it's it's criminal. Just because he's got speed doesn't mean that he should be a leadoff hitter. Um, it, there, there are many things, and that's basic. That's something that even a clown like me knows. So the yeah. fact that it's not being put into place by the Marlins is, in in my eyes, it's it's criminal. Well, you heard it here first. Sean Barrett is a clown, a self-assessed clown, it seems. I think that's uh, an overreaction, nevertheless. Um, guys, we're out of time. We're out of time for Tuesday's episode. A lot of World Baseball Classic and some managerial updates. I think at the moment, it's a little bit too early to understand where we're up to. Um, But the process will be lengthy and vast, and they will explore many avenues. So I guess it's a wait-and-see situation there. My My overall view is I actually don't really care at this point. Like It's not that I don't care, I just don't know. I'm not well equipped enough to have some insight to say, this should be the guy. But I hope they make the right pick and get 
a change an approach really maybe from Donny and reboot the the clubhouse environment i think that's that's perhaps what we want to see and i think the fundamental thing is try and work out how we can squeeze some value out of these hitters try and get the offense rolling and i don't know whether that's specifically the manager's role to be doing but i think that plays a part nevertheless guys we're out of time on tuesday's episode of locked on marlins thanks for joining me and sean barrett and we'll be back tomorrow we will which it will be me and sean are back tomorrow starting some deep dives actually we're going to get into some of the 2022 numbers and we're going to start specifically on the offensive side of the ball and very much into some of the infield guys so we're going to dig into some numbers uh is there any hope yes there is is the spoiler um but nevertheless join us tomorrow we're going to start that series on wednesday's episode of lockdown marlins until then see you tomorrow